is a privilege today to be speaking with Andreas Deja, uh, the lead, the director and writer of Mushka. Uh, Andreas, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. This is a great privilege of mine. <laughs> it truly is. Um, I know with your work at Disney uh, over the years, uh, you've worked on some incredible, incredible projects. Scar and Gaston are two of my favorite animated characters. My kids always make fun of me uh, because I, I love singing their songs so much. And uh, it really is, it really is wonderful to chat with you. Oh, I was wondering, well, I'm wondering for you, what is it that makes you so passionate about working in animation? Hmm. It just um, goes back to my childhood. You know, really, when I saw my first Disney film, and it was kind of late as a child. I was 11. Uh, I remember my, my parents didn't take me and my sisters to, to the movies. It wasn't their thing. So it just happened to be uh, that I was 11 years old, and the, and the Jungle Book came out, the, the first one. And it came out in Germany in 68. So I was 11, and... Um, it was like I, I compared to a lightning strike, you know, just something just you don't know what's coming, but it came and it just hit you. Uh, I just couldn't believe what I saw. It was just um, I heard the angel sing. I, I don't know. I just thought it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And I wanted to find out about this. I wanted to be a, be a part of this when I, when I would be older. And um, so that, that's really how it started. And then, of course, I, I, I wrote to the studio a few months later uh, with the help of my English teacher at school and asked questions or a simple question. You know, what can I do here in Germany where I, was, uh, where I grew up? Uh, what can I do here to prepare myself for a job at Disney sometime? And they, they wrote back. They did, uh, you know. Uh, and they said, um, they said, well, uh, no, please don't send us any copies of Mickey and Pluto. Because, you know, that we can teach you at the studio, but uh, you need to become an artist first. Mm. And you need to, uh, we need to see how you see the, the world. So go to the zoo and sketch all the animals and do that often and really compare the way they are built, the animals are built and the way they move. And, and then they said, when you're a little older, you, you need to enroll in life drawing classes because uh, an animator has to know the human figure and how it functions and works and, and all of that. And um then i took that uh, absolutely seriously and um and did all that and went to other zoos and i think i was 14 when i started life drawing my parents were a little concerned uh uh you know drawing nude people and um but i took that very seriously and um so it it, it never really uh it wasn't a, a definitely you know it wasn't a passing thing you know where you you as a kid you're being fascinated by something and then you get into sports or you get into other things it it stayed with me it was it was like the most important thing to me and even my my high school teacher said when i told him that i wanted to be an animator later on he said boy that's going to be tough because there's going to be competition and uh, he said let me tell you that uh, if you want to do this animation has to be the most important thing in your life mm. And it, it really scared me because I'd never heard it put that way. But now, as in, uh, you know, looking back uh, to my younger self, it already had become the most important thing in my life, you know? So uh, it just, I, I was just driven because I just loved it so, so much. 
you know, it shows. It shows just even on screen with Mushka, uh, the, your passion for it. And you can see the influence of these phenomenal, you know, classic Disney films like Jungle Book and 101 Dalmatians just in the styling. Uh, and I want, I want to talk about Mushka, but before I do that, I know that you've been involved in all these great Disney films. What is it about, about Disney style that do you think has left such an impression? Because there are so many animated companies. But when we think of animation, we often first off think of, of the Walt Disney Corporation. Yeah, I think, well, of course, it started with the Walt and uh, he was a master storyteller and um, and he knew how to tell a story that would connect with audiences uh, like like nobody else. So that that's number one, the storytelling. Then he trained his animators to a point, uh, training meaning that they had art schools at the studio and they had anatomy classes and all this, uh, all these these uh, classes to improve themselves as artists. Um, these artists were uh, capable of creating believable characters, and I think that that's that's the word. It's not realistic; it's believable because mm. they are stylized Disney characters too. But that, that that people really know that they're looking at a series of drawings, but at the same time, it also becomes a. A, a a human being or a real animal that that you believe is completely alive mm -hmm. and uh, i think disney did that more than than other studios because uh, what is it he was he just demanded it uh, that that's he wanted to see uh, real life on the screen through drawings and uh, uh achieved a standard that uh, even frank thomas and ollie johnston told me that i don't we don't even think that walt knew that th this was achievable, you know, the, the, the this, this high in terms of character animation, starting with Snow White and Pinocchio and, and, and all of those. Um, and um, when I started at the studio in 1980, we had that looming over our backs, you know, the old guys and their quality. And it was almost a burden, uh, I remember, because we just came, we were just a bunch of kids from art school. And here we were asked to continue Disney animation, the old guys had just retired, Eric Larson was still teaching, but uh, how are we gonna do this? And um, so it, it can be it can be a burden, but I, um, I try to turn that around and instead let that inspire me in, in terms of what they had done. And we, we had at Disney, um, well, they, they still have that department, it's called the uh, Animation Research Library, where, where they keep, keep all the drawings and paintings ever made in animation, they have them all, all the animation scenes, they're all there, you know? And so we had access to that. Uh, and uh, I would just go down there regularly and uh, study uh, study King Louis or study uh, uh, Peter Pan or any scene that really impressed me. And uh, and those were great learning tools to have access to that, that material. Uh, and then not only that, because these old guys were still around in the 80s and early 90s, uh, or throughout the 90s, pretty much. Uh, so I could talk to them and study their, their their work and said, okay, I found this interesting. What were you thinking? Why did you plan it this way? You know, why does Shere Khan move this way and not that way? I mean, I had I had a really fantastic in interaction with these guys, and because um, I just wanted to know what they went through, mm. and then it, it was completely fascinating to me for them to talk about their failures or, or to or to yeah. e even know that they thought that they had failed or, or 
occasionally and that, that just made them human for me, you know? So this is a long answer to your question. I know I do apologize. No, I, I love any window into this world. This hand-drawn animation, I still think is just a stunning art form. Um, and, and with Mushka, it, it, it really comes to life. Where did you get the idea from? What was it that excited you to tell this story? Well, um, after being on my own for, for about a year, um, after 30 years of uh, spending at Disney, I, I knew that I wanted to create a project. Uh, since no project was offered to me, you know, or, or scenes weren't given to me to animate, that situation was over. Uh, so I said, well, I'm still doing it. The wheels are still going. I, I still have stuff to, to say. I still have to, to ex express myself in drawings. Uh, so create your own. And then you ask yourself a series of questions, you know, what would be a really cool character to animate? And since I love animals, very passionate about animals, a, a tiger would be a wonderful creature to animate because of the stripes and the anatomy. And I had some... Uh, uh, groundwork from Lion King, some research I had done then that I, that I could apply to Mushka. And, and then immediately the idea came to mind a story about a little girl in the tiger because the dynamic would be so unusual. And there could be tension and adventure in all of that. And uh, um, I kind of fleshed it out to a rough idea where this girl raises a, a tiger cub, they bond. Uh, when the tiger is almost fully grown she finds out the girl finds out that there are bad people around them who want to kill him and sell him and make money and uh, so she she finds out about this and the only thing she can think of doing is taking him taking her tiger back to the forest where she found him and hopefully he'll be a wild tiger and that will be that but maybe things shouldn't go according to plan so that was my idea that's that's not a story that it doesn't have a beginning or, or an end that's just an idea so what you do in a case like that, you just reach out to people who can help you to flesh that out. So I did talk to a friend of mine who has never written a script or a screenplay for a movie, but who has written novels and poetry and does architecture and so many artistic things, has always worked for himself. And I said, well, here's my my, my idea, see what, see what you can do with it. So he fleshed it out and... Uh, then when when I read his second second or third draft, it really felt like a solid novel. It really felt like a novel, and I said, "Well, let's do this because it's different. It's melancholic. It has a lot of heart, and let's just do this." So then we started storyboarding. I like me and a friend of mine came over from France, Mathieu, uh, and the two of us just storyboarded the thing. And then I found just a small crew to help me to get it to the finish line. Meaning anim animation, background painting camera work and all that. We were, we were a very, very small crew. And that's the reason why, why it took so long. It, honestly, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And um, one of the things that certainly I, I noticed, you know, about it, it's very much a love letter. You can, you can even s still see the pencil lines on there to, to that sort of style. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, from you, I mean, just the challenges of of create of animating animals, like you mentioned that before about going to the zoo and and constantly constantly making drawings. Um, I'm just wondering, are there any particular what what sorts of challenges exist in animating, bringing someone like Mushka to life uh, that may not be with with average people? Yeah, the the challenge here was for me that um, 
uh, if I would compare Mushka to Scar, Scar talks. So mm -hmm. in his acting, even though he doesn't really have hands, there were some gestures where I can use his paw to sort of simulate a human hand, but it was still limiting. Uh, but but he talks, so you have that human aspect <clears throat> about that character. But Mushka, of course, doesn't talk. It's a naturalistic animal, but I still wanted him to be expressive and emote things. And uh, uh, the first scene I animated with him, because I had a very clear vision of what is going on through that tiger's head, at that moment is where, where Sarah uh, takes off, uh, she takes him into the, the forest, takes off his collar and says goodbye to him, and he doesn't want to leave he keeps following her and then she starts yelling at him and get out of here now go and and we cut to the scene where he just takes a couple steps back because he's so confused he doesn't know what's going on she's never yelled at him obviously <clears throat> and uh i knew how to portray that I've, i felt it uh uh, and it had to be done in a, in a in a way where the tiger wouldn't talk back to her. Obviously, it had to feel, feel like a like a real tiger. But but real um, animals, you know, big, big cats, all of them, they are super expressive. I mean, when they attack, they got similar things going on in a human face. The eyebrows come down in, in, the, in the middle, you know, and the the teeth show. And and uh, when they're afraid, the, the eyes are wide open. So there are some similarities. But uh, again, with the character. Uh, a naturalistic character like Mushka who doesn't talk, you just have to walk that fine line. You know, you can apply those emotions on the face, but um, you can't go too far with it. I love that scene you're talking about there because there's so much communicated just in the facial expressions, uh, like you're saying there as well. And it's just, oh, it's a beautiful film. Um, I want to talk about the sketchy line a little bit and why, why I chose that because I, 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 I grew up uh, I mean, Jungle Book was my first film, of course, but I, I, it seems to me that I, that, that I saw the, the 1960s films right after, which was 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, and, uh, and uh, it was amazing of how loose they, they kept the artwork. When you see Cruella de Vil, those are all Mark Davis's drawings on the screen. Nobody even touched them or redrew them or made them look a little, made the lines look thinner. I mean, those are his rough sketches, and, uh, and what a joy that is. When you see the artist's hand on the screen, you know, and uh, I, I, I just wanted to go back to that because even during my time at Disney, they, we always had assistants who traced our drawings on a clean sheet of paper and it has that nice, neat uh, look to it. Uh, I said, no, I, I want to do something that comes from the artist's gut on paper on the screen with nobody meddling with with the artwork and that's that that's why the film looks that way and uh, i even asked my background painter natalie who painted i mean i swear to you 90 percent of all the backgrounds she painted we're talking hundreds of backgrounds and uh, i said do the same thing don't, don't finish the backgrounds to the point where they all look nice and neat and uh, treated like like a, like a color sketch you know so so the rough drawings would match with those almost unfinished looking backgrounds that's, that's exactly the style that that, that that I was looking for and, and got in, in the end. Uh, Andreas, I have to ask you about the music. I did not know that you were working with Richard Sherman. This is, I, I was- crazy. It's crazy. And I'll tell you briefly how that happens. Um, uh, a decade ago, I lunched with Richard Sherman. I had met him through other people. We had mutual friends. So I lunched with him, he asked me, 
what I was doing these days. I said, I have this idea for this film. And I told him the story of Mushka, where it was at, at that time. And he got, he got kind of excited at this lunch table and he was tapping his finger on the table. He says, maybe, maybe somebody who writes music here at this table can write uh, some music for your film. And I, I just was stunned. I said, Richard, are you, are you kidding? So he did. So he wrote this beautiful musical, this uh, piece, which is a lullaby, which we use in an instrumental way throughout the film, through the score, and then of course as a song uh, over the end credits. And uh, my, my composer Fabrizio Mancinelli was also a friend of Richard, uh, a, a young Italian composer who lives here in Los Angeles. And he was really, really able to use that theme whenever he could and uh, just add the symphonic, uh, uh, grand uh, uh, score to it, you know. I mean, he just—it's like almost uh, John Williams meets the Sherman Brothers. Yeah, I see elements of, of both, and now I, I'm so proud of our score, and I'm so I'm so glad you noticed. Yeah, you can. I don't want to say you can tell, but when I saw, like, when you when I saw his name, I could I could hear the Richard Sherman influence, and it's just such a—he's, I mean, written some iconic music for the for Disney for sure yeah the Sherman brothers write memorable songs you know to the point where you can't get them out of your head like small world at Disneyland or the other theme parks and he is so amused when people tell him I hate that song he laughs and laughs he has a good sense of humor about it um but his song or their songs are memorable and uh I I was so looking forward to when he said he would write something I didn't know what it was I didn't give him any direction what feeling the song should have. I just told him the story and he went for it and uh, it turned out to be this lullaby and uh, it is memorable as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you this. I know that, I mean, animation has changed a lot in the last, in the last uh, two or three decades, of course. I guess it's always changing, but I was wondering from your perspective, do you think maybe we, we lose anything with, I'm not saying the CGI is, I, I love CGI is wonderful, but have we lost, do we lose something when, when we've moved away from, from hand-drawn cells in your mind? Well, we gained a lot because uh, CG can do things that 2D can't do. Uh, uh, the degree of realism is so great. You know, they can create these worlds um, that look completely real. Um, what, what uh, hand-drawn animation is good at uh, creating worlds that are new and maybe unfamiliar and stylized and take you to a place where you necessarily where you, where you haven't been and also um, um, so so yeah I, I'm, I'm like you I'm completely impressed with uh, with like what they can do these days look at that water you know look at the mountain and look at that camera move that goes all over the place and uh, it's just absolutely amazing. And then, of course, they have good stories, too. Let's not forget yes. that. They're wonderful storytellers. Uh, but yet there's something to, to hang on to when we think about 2D animation. It's not, it shouldn't be a thing of the past and shouldn't be replaced because too many people still love it. Too many artists still want to do it and audiences ask for it. Mm -hmm. I get this question all the time. When is the next Aladdin coming out or the next Lion King? Uh, so I know that, that there is a, a real hunger for, for hand-drawn films, because there comes a time where you want to see the artist's hand on the screen, individual con con contribution uh, on the screen, and that's what hand-drawn animation gives you. I mean, I mean, 
granted I'm an insider, but but I I, I see an Ollie Johnston hand when I see Jungle Book or a Frank Thomas hand. I I know their scenes and 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 they're they're different from from each other. You know, they all brought these different personal things to the screen, and then that's what hand drawn does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I, I remember as a as a kid walk uh, Disney Hollywood Studios at the time. I think they were making Mulan, and mm -hmm. everyone and you could walk through and see people at their desks working on it. And I thought this is this is incredible. I was just in love with the with the format. Um, Mushka is wonderful. The music is wonderful. The animation is gorgeous. How can people how can people see it? I, I know it's touring on festivals. I think I've heard right. Yeah, now. at the at the moment uh, we were we are doing the festival circuit. We were in in Europe a few weeks ago, and we're going back then fall again. Uh, we are, we're at the Palm Springs Festival this this Saturday, where we show the film in competition. And um, so that's what you have to do when you do an independent short film. You need to do festivals. Uh, I thought I would take a year off and slowly think about my next project. And I was told very quickly, no, 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 you got to travel and show your film. It makes complete sense because you, you did your film for audiences. So it's been really, really fun to see people's reaction. And uh, distribution will happen later. You know, when we're done with the, with the festival circuit, uh, right now we're just enjoying that, that phase and showing it to everybody. But people, um, if, even if they are not in a, in a city where the film plays, uh, we do have a website uh, when you Google Mushka the, the film, Mushka the film, it, it comes up and you can see the, the backstory of how we made the film, there are production photos, you meet the artists, that whole thing. And then of course our trailer, our final trailer is on YouTube. And I, and I love the comments that people leave on the, on the, on, on the trailer, like how, how, how it made them feel, what they think about it. So if people uh, find the trailer on YouTube, please write something. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Andreas, thank you so much for your time. Thank you oh. for, for sharing with the story with us and, and telling us about the, this incredible, incredible journey along the way. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, I, I wish you the best. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.